Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. We're going to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's your season. I like that. That's our theme song. Yes. Because this is Jubilee year. We're taking it all back. And this is our season to be blessed. The windows are going to open and we're going to be blessed. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And I want to preach on the subject, God is for the underdog. God is for the underdog. Let's praise him one more time. Jesus, thank you, Lord. God, your word is forever settled. Let it be anointed to our hearts and our ears and our minds. In the name of Jesus, we believe you, Lord, and we give you the praise. God bless you. You may be seated. God is for the underdog. You know, an underdog is a predicted loser in a struggle or contest. It's also a victim of injustice or persecution. And you know, generally speaking, I tend to root for, I tend to cheer for, and I tend to take up for the underdog. Sometimes if my wife sees me watching like a game of some sort, whether it's college or pro or basketball or football or whatever, she goes, well, who are you going for? I go, I'm going for the underdog. Well, why is that? Because I, I want the top ten, 10 team that they're playing to be beat, and it's an upset, and I love it. It's a great Cinderella story when, when the, the, you know, this team that's maybe only won one game out of 20 games plays the number one team in the country, and they win somehow. I love that. Amen. Amen. And God loves the underdogs. Praise the Lord. You know, in... 1980, the Winter Olympics was in Lake Placid, New York. And the U.S. hockey team played the Soviet Union, and they both got to the semifinal medal round. Now, you have to understand, up until just not too many years ago, uh, the Olympics only allowed amateur sport um, people to participate. You couldn't be in professional sports. So, so nobody in the NFL, the NBA, well, they don't have football, but, you know, the, uh, you know, a, you know, any professional sports, skiing or whatever, you weren't allowed to participate in the Olympics. You had to be amateur. So, in, in other words, it was mostly collegiate amateur talent that was playing in the Olympic Games in, anyway, in most countries. Now, you know, some, some you know, uh, you would kind of question like, hey, these guys look pretty professional to me. But somehow they qualified, 
And, uh, but anyway, the 1980 Olympics, the, the U.S. team was made up primarily of amateur players that only had college hockey experience, and it was the youngest hockey team to ever play for the U.S. Olympic team. And by contrast, the Soviet team was made up of seasoned men that played hockey full-time year-round, but they somehow were still amateurs, and uh, they had a lot of international experience that they, they played. The Soviet team also had won the gold medal in the five of the six previous Olympic Games, dominating the sport for over the past two decades, and were heavily favored to win it again in New York. Needless to say, the U.S. team was an underdog by a long shot. But what happened in that game, amen, it was the game before the final game. So whoever won this game would play one more game to win the gold. And what happened in this game, amen, sent shock worlds, shock waves around the sports world, amen. The U.S. did the unimaginable. It did the unthinkable. It defeated the Soviet team 4-3 to three by scoring two goals, uh, eight men in the midway in the third quarter and holding the Soviet team scoreless until the end of the game. And then the U.S. team went on to play in the final game and beat Finland to win the gold medal, eight men, and knock uh, the Soviet Union off uh, of the gold uh, uh, you know, medal situation that they had been on for, for the last decades, praise God. Eight men, the victory became known in sports as the miracle on ice. Don't you love an underdog story? Praise God. But you know what? God is for the underdog. Amen. I love a good story where the underdog, you know, it come, he comes out or she comes out, amen, against all odds and is victorious against all kinds of, amen, of obstacles and situations and setbacks and still is victorious. What a great story. And the Bible is, is full of underdog stories, amen. And that's where the real miracles take place, praise God. Hallelujah. For example, Moses, he was the underdog. Amen. When he walked in with an ordinary shepherd's staff into the royal court of the most powerful man on earth at the time, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and said, let my people go. Amen. And they were all probably going, who is this guy? You know? Well, this guy was backed by heaven. That's who this guy was. Amen. Everybody thought he was an underdog except God because God is for the underdog. And he, he calls somebody, he's going to see him through. Amen. David, amen to everybody watching, even his brothers, to King Saul. David was the clear underdog when he faced uh, uh, gi the giant Goliath, his 17-year-old boy with a slingshot and a nine-foot giant with all kinds of armaments and, and a, a battle-hardened experience. Amen. Praise God. But God loves the underdog, and God used David to defeat. So you're not an underdog with God. When God's on your side, you're not an underdog. Praise God. The world might think so. Everybody else might tell you you're nothing. Amen. But I don't care what they say. Praise God. I'm something when Jesus is on my side and when he's called me. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the underdogs when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Praise God for not worshiping that image. Amen. But a fourth man showed up in the fire, and the king said, it looks like the Son of God's in there with them. Oh, yeah. Praise God. Because when you do what God wants you to do, even in the face of opposition, amen, when you hold your ground and hold your convictions and hold fast your character, praise God, God will honor that, and God will be with you in life's fiery furnace. Woo! Because God is for the underdog. Daniel was the underdog when he was thrown into the lion's den because the people that were his contemporaries were jealous of him because the king liked him for he was a wise man. Amen. And so they passed some law with the king. Amen. And Daniel, even knowing the law was passed, saying "You for 30 days you can't worship any god but the king only because they worshiped the kings back then. Amen. And uh, Daniel knew that law was passed. And did he give a 30-day break from worshiping and praying to his God? Oh, no, he didn't. I don't care what law you pass. I'm going to still pray. I don't care what law you pass. We're going to still assemble as the church. We're still going to praise God. And he bowed his knee, amen, in his house like he always did. And he prayed to God. And he was thrown into the lion's den. But God was with him. And God shut the mouths of the lions. Amen. God loves, amen, to stand up for the underdog. Amen. When you read the Bible, you can clearly see, it's easy to see that God is for the underdog. And there are three categories of underdogs mentioned over and over again in the Bible. The first one is the poor. The second one is the fatherless. And the third one are orphans. Uh, fatherless or orphans, and the third one are widows. Amen. The poor are mentioned 199 times in the Bible. Widows are mentioned 106 times in the Bible. Fatherless or orphans are mentioned 44 times in the Bible. And each time when you read about it, amen, those that took advantage of those three categories of people, those that did them wrong, and those that were hurtful to them, amen, God took care of that situation because God is for those underdogs. And on contrast, those that blessed them, those that remember them, those that helped them out, God would repay and God would bless. Amen. Psalm 68, 5 said that that God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Psalm 140, verse 12, I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. Amen. Those that take advantage or hurt these people have to answer to God. And those that remember and bless these people will be rewarded by God. Amen. And that's where we come in, praise God. For what God is for, we need to be for. And what God is against, we need to be against. And we need to stand our ground in 2024 with our convictions and say, God, we're for what you're for. We love what you love. We want to be what you want us to be. Amen. Psalm 82.3, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Isaiah 117, learn to do right. Seek justice. 
defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Amen. He's, asking, he's telling, asking us to do that. We need to defend the poor and the fatherless. We need to do justice to the afflicted and the needy. We need to, to take care of the fatherless and, and help in the, with the widows anywhere we can. In other words, God, help us to be open, to be used by you in these situations. Amen. Jesus came on the scene, of course, God in human flesh. He was the God of the Old Testament. So he was, amen, still God. Amen, there was for the underdog, but he was now walking the earth. And he, he did everything he could to bless underdogs. Everywhere he went, he blessed underdogs. The woman at the well, amen, this woman that was caught in adultery, he blessed her, amen, forgave her. This other situation or that situation, the lepers, amen. Amen. Whatever he touched, praise God, he, he helped and he blessed the underdogs. Amen. He was for the underdog. He was for the oppressed, the forgotten, the forsaken, the hopeless, the helpless, the outcast. Amen. That's where Jesus went. And see, the Pharisees, they go, well, he can't be the Messiah because he'd be up here rubbing shoulders with us and doing all the ceremonies and the traditions. And Jesus said, no, no, I didn't come for that, praise God. I came to change the program, hallelujah. I came to fulfill the law. I came to show you what you're really supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be helping the people. Amen. The Bible said he ate with tax collectors and sinners. And the Jewish religious leaders never did that. You see, what's so bad about a tax collector? Back then, tax collectors were despised because they usually worked for the Romans. And some of them were even of their own people, but they worked for the Romans. Amen. And they had to, they had to shake down the people for the taxes. And it, it wasn't always a pretty sight. And so for Jesus to eat with tax collectors and Jesus to eat with sinners and people of ill repute or whatever, amen, they just said, well, this guy can't be a legitimate he can't be sent by God. Oh, yes, he is, because God, you didn't read your Bible, Pharisees. The Old Testament said God's for the underdog, and this is God in human flesh, and he's just carrying on the mission. He went where Jewish leaders would not go. He interacted with people that the Jewish leaders didn't have time for. Amen. The lepers, the demon-possessed, and people that had done many things they were ashamed of. But now God was here to help bless them and turn their life around. The Bible said the common people heard him gladly. Those are the underdogs. The Bible said the poor had the gospel preached to them. Those are the underdogs. The Bible said when he spoke in parables, he purposely hid these things from the wise and the learned, and he revealed them even to the little children. Amen. Those are the underdogs. Jesus is for the underdog. Amen. He's the God of second chances. He didn't see people as they were, but he saw, amen, what they could be with his help. Praise God. Then Jesus died, rose again, ascended up into heaven, and sent his spirit back so that his church could be born. Praise God. And that's where we come in. The church is the body of Christ. 
Praise God. We are his hands. We are his feet. Amen. He works through his body. He's the head. We're the body. Amen. He works through his body. Amen. To help those that are in need. We are the hands of Jesus. We are the feet of Jesus. We are to go with the gospel. And with the gospel we go with doing good and blessing and lifting up and helping people. We are to carry out his wishes and his plan by remembering and taking care of the underdogs in this world as much as we can, individually and as a church. Amen. And that's what walking in the Spirit's all about. That's what walking with God is all about, being sensitive to the leading of the Spirit every day of your life where God says, hey, talk to that one and maybe bless that one and do that for that one. Amen. That's how God is blessing and working through us to help the underdogs. Amen. Galatians 2.10 said, they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which also I was eager to do. Jesus said, remember the poor. James 1.27, a lot of people say this religion, that religion, what's this, what's your religion, this religion, that religion, whatever, amen. This is what true religion is according to the Bible, James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their misfortune and to keep oneself unstained by this world. That's what religion is when you boil it all down, amen. There's an interesting verse in Psalm 138.8. It said, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Amen. And that lets me know, first of all, that what I'm concerned about, God's concerned about. Amen. He cares for me, and I talk to him about it, and he's going to perfect it. He's going to help it. He's going to do whatever. Amen. But you know what? If I'm concerned about what God's concerned about, he so much more will be concerned about what I'm concerned about. Amen. Praise God. In other words, if you take care of God's business in your life, then he'll take care of your business. Matthew 6.32, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. That's your concern. That's your cares. That's your worries. That's your needs and your wants. He, your heavenly father knows you have need of all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Amen. Be about your father's business. Amen. Look for the underdog. Help who you can help. Amen. And God will take care of you. You take care of the poor. God will take care of you. You help a widow. God will take care of you. You help an orphan or a fatherless kid and God will take care of you. Because God is for the underdog and God is for those that bless the underdogs. Let me reread the text passage in the New Living Translation for a little bit of clarity. 1 Corinthians 1.26 Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Therefore, as the scriptures say, 
If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. We don't have to be some highfalutin, something for God to care about us. Amen. He likes, he wants everybody. He loves everybody. Amen. He's for the underdog. Amen. People that didn't even, we read the story in the, about the Good Samaritan in, uh, in, in the book of Luke. And we see that a Levite came by after a man was robbed and beaten almost to death and laid bloody and almost, you know, practically unconscious in the, in the side of the road. Amen. And a Levite came by, saw him, and went on by. Amen. And, and a, another religious leader, a priest, went on by and saw him and, and, and didn't help him. Amen. That's not true religion. Well, I got to get to my religion. I can't help this guy. I got to get to my tradition. I can't help this guy. That's not good tradition. That's not good religion. He told you, amen, help the fatherless, help the widow, help the poor, help the underdog. This guy was an underdog, and the good Samaritan helped him. Amen. God is for the underdog. Amen. Jesus told of a parable and said a, a rich man called a great supper, amen, and invited all these people to come. And one by one, these people made excuse. I can't come. Please have me excuse. I can't come because of this. You have me excuse. I can't come. So a bunch of people just didn't go. And the, and the servant came in Luke 14, 21. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Amen. Fill the house with underdogs. If the, if the people that don't think they need God, if the people think they're okay, if they don't want to come, if they make excuses, we still got to pray for them. We still got to tell them about Jesus. Amen. Then find some underdogs. Then they'll be happy to come. The common people heard him gladly. The poor had the gospel preached. Amen. He revealed it unto babes. God is for the underdog. Amen. And those, amen, that have sinned the most and have been forgiven for that most of that, of that sinning that they did, those are going to be the most thankful people. Amen. The worst in a condition of a situation, and God saves them and God forgives them. Those are the ones, amen, that will be here worshiping God in his house. Amen. Not making excuse. Why am I going to be able to make it? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Years ago, one of our pastors went out on a Saturday visitation outreach little thing him and a few people from his church went around walking in the neighborhoods inviting people to church for the next day and the next service and the pastor himself actually came up on this corner house and 
There was a lady, a young lady, but she looked older than she should have looked because of, you could tell she'd been through a hard life. Sitting in a folding chair right there on the, in the yard by the corner area there. And he walked up to her and told her about the church and he's out inviting people to church and Jesus, you know, you know, loves you, wants you to come. And she just looked at the pre preacher and said, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done and what I've been through. And, and she started even saying a few things that, that she had done. And so she said, believe me, God doesn't want somebody like me. So you can just go on down the road. And the pastor said, oh, but no, you're mistaken. Jesus definitely wants you. You're the, just the kind of person he's looking for. You're just the kind of person he died for. You're just the kind of person he loves tremendously. Amen. Praise God. In other words, he was kind of saying, you're an underdog, and God loves you, and he wants to save you. Amen. There's nobody exempt and nobody excluded to the whosoever will. Let him or her come and drink from the water of life freely. Freely. Whosoever will. Nobody's excluded. Amen. So for whoever God is for, we need to be for. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. If God's for us, who can be against us? Amen. 1 John 4.4. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That means God and I make a majority. God and you make a majority. I don't care what one person or a group of people think about somebody and, and looking at them because of whatever their social status or financial status or whatever culture or whatever they somehow, uh, you know, wrongly look down at them. Amen. And say that they're lesser or they don't qualify to be a part or whatever. Amen. If God is for us, who cares who's against us? And if God is in us, amen, we have something greater than than all the riches of the world. When we have a soul that's been sold out to God, when we have a soul that has the Holy Ghost right in there with it, amen, it's more valuable than all the world. Praise God. And I want to be for the underdog because God's for the underdog. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.